Ministry Catalyst Podcast. www.worshipministrycatalyst.com. Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members, serving as a catalyst to facilitate worship in the local church. David Lindner and Kevin Cruz. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 146, 146. of the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. And uh, we are we are thrilled to bring you another great interview today. Yes. Um, kind of to start off to kind of set up the interview, a lot of our listeners might know, and in fact, um, probably in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to put out a bonus episode of all the interviews that you and Joe did yep. up at the uh, Christian, Christian Musician, Musician Summit. Summit. And so, um, uh, if you have listened to the podcast, you know that we're kind of, I don't know, good friends, I guess would be a good way to put it with yeah. Frequency.fm, Joe Brookhouse and Dan Thompson. And, um, and so we love what they're doing over there. And we, Joe and I, Joe lives close to us. He lives over uh, in Portland. He works over here in Vancouver. So we've actually gotten to have coffee and stuff like that over the years. So it's just been kind of a fun uh, partnership networking thing that we've done there. But you went up yep. and you uh, kind of took over a table with Joe. Yeah, so it's about three weeks ago. I was at the uh, Christian Musician Summit uh, 2014, the Northwest version. I guess they do one in the, in the uh, Northeast, I believe. And uh, so we were there in Seattle, Washington. And um, yeah, we, we've uh, partnered and collaborated with uh, Frequency.fm. I've never actually officially met Joe, though, so... I go to this conference not knowing what to expect. You know, is the is the guy going to be a weirdo? Is is he going to be you know is he going to be one of those kind of guys? <laughs> and anyway, it turns out uh, Joe's actually a really cool dude. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's a uh, <laughs> uh, Ross is saying no. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so while at the table, um, Joe and I are talking, and you know, we're we're doing these interviews and as David was mentioning, we, uh, we did these kind of lightning interviews all during the, uh, uh, the, um, uh, the weekend. Which Just, are all posted online if you want to go check yeah, them out. Yeah. So you can check them out now, or as David said, he'll put them all in an episode. So as we're talking, you know, Joe and I are, are, uh, are sharing where, you know, he's a worship leader. I'm a worship leader. He does a podcast. I do a podcast and he starts talking about this guy, you know, Ross King. And, and I'm like, I feel like I've heard that name before. And then he plays the song Hallelujah for the Cross. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this this song is like an anthem. Like this song is amazing. And then I pick up the Newsboys album. And what's the title track to the Newsboys <laughs> album? Hallelujah for the Cross. Yeah. I, I show it to my worship team. And we're all, like, everyone's like, we're doing the song for Easter. Like this song has Easter written all over it. So I'm talking to Joe. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I know Ross. I'm like, what? You know the guy? <laughs> and uh, so, you know, a few phone calls, a few talks in, in interactions. And uh, on our show, we have with us Ross King, the author of Hallelujah for the Cross and other fabulous songs. Ross, thank you for joining us today on our uh, podcast. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you guys asking me. Yeah. And so um, maybe let's let's dig into... Uh, before we get into Hallelujah for the Cross, we get into your Christmas EP. Uh, let's talk maybe 
um, about songwriting just for, for a couple yeah. of minutes. This is something we've, yeah. we've talked about uh, a lot on the podcast. Both Kevin and I like to write songs, you know, we we're that's near and dear to our hearts. And so, um, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe would you start by just kind of telling us your your history, your your journey that you that's led you to where you are now as a songwriter, uh, writing yeah. songs that have been sung by by us. Yeah, well, started writing about a month ago, and now I've got lots of cuts. So. <laughs> wow, is that all it's you have really, to do? Man, it's it just like, really easy, honestly. It's just like um, uh, I like I know three chords, and yeah, that's you know, all you need. <laughs> uh, man, it's you guys wouldn't believe how easy it is, really. No, I uh, I've like, been writing for a long time. I started, you know, as a as a as a kid, uh, just playing in like you know rock bands. I was I was a drummer, and you know, not very good one, but I was playing in rock <laughs> bands, and and uh, we started wanting to write our own songs, and so I you know was trying to do that, and felt really. Uh, I, don't know, I just felt like I really enjoyed it. It, it. it energized me in a way that no other musical thing had at, at that point. And so I just kind of kept at it. Um, and I think in my 20s, you know, I got, when I got out of college, I was involved with a lot of, this is the 90s. I mean, you know, Christian music was really uh, young, bold, and, and really, it may have been kind of a golden age in yeah. some ways, you know. And, and um, so I just, I got out of college and I started writing a lot of worship and leading worship. And I had, you know, I had a career as a musician. I was an independent musician and worship leader. And I think I just thought, well, I write music and people are buying it. It's my job. So I'm going to be, you know, fill in the blank with whatever Christian musician would, would have been popular. Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman. I thought that's where I was headed, you know? And, but I, I just never really had that, um, I, I jokingly call it the hello Cleveland factor. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to get on stage and be like, hello, Cleveland, and the place looks crazy. You know, I, I don't really have, yeah, I, I like have, you know, a beverage and I'm on a stool and, and, and I'm playing, picking my guitar. That's, you know, that's sort of the way I perform, you know, and, and if it's yeah, leading Kevin, worship. Kevin's the hello Cleveland guy. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm like you. I'm the guy with, I'm the guy with like, maybe I says three words. Yeah, I have a tremendous amount, amount of respect for those guys. And I, and I actually do, I don't mind talking on stage. It's just that I'm not good at like, get on your feet kind of moments, you know? And so uh, I just started seeing that as I would try to present myself as an artist, I just had limited success and a lot of rejection. And I was really uh, drawn to, you know, Keith Green, Rich Mullins, that sort of thing. And in the 90s, there was a lot of that. I mean, those are kind of two guys that we mentioned a lot, but a lot of Christian music was more bold. This was... Mm -hmm. You know, not to get too cynical and, and critical, but this was before the kind of safe for the whole family movement of Christian music, you know. And so <laughs> it's not like it was not safe. It's just that wasn't a primary gatekeeper thing, you know. Right. And so this, it, I was drawn to that boldness. I, I, I think I, I, I saw myself as someone who wanted to poke and prod at the Christian, Christian culture and, and, and was drawn to the kind of the weirder parts of Jesus and all that. So I just was writing and getting rejected, you know. Mm. Uh, a ton at the mainstream level, but, but making my bills, uh, as, as an indie guy. And so anyway, I'll jump ahead and just say that after years of trying to be a mainstream guy, I, and failing, I gave up on it and just started kind of writing in what, in, in what I, in what I now call the unfettered me, you know, the, <laughs> I just, I'm going to be what I want to be. And, and, and I, I'd love for the story to like turn r- right there and say, that's when I found success. It, that's not true. But it is when I got really comfortable with with myself as a writer, and mm. so a few years into that, I ran into some folks who were doing some more CCM type stuff, and some of them encouraged me 
to re reassess my place in that culture. And so I started going out to, to Nashville and writing some more. Uh, and about two years into that, that period of like intentionally trying to write uh, in an edited kind of a way, um, I started getting cuts, you know, not a lot and not, you know, not, not quit your job, cut, you know, kind of money, but, but I started getting cuts and, and offers from publishers. And so now my, my, my writing kind of takes, depending on how you want to categorize, it takes three or four sort of uh, uh, forms. One would be just worship music that I write, you know, that I, pr I primarily write because I still lead mm -hmm. and like to write for me. And if, and if you were, if one of you was to write with me and I, we write in worship, I'd say, okay, the goal is, is that we want to lead it. You know, right. uh, we're the pitch, you know, there's no pitch. It's us. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that'd be one category. A second category would be, I write music. That's kind of like back that unfettered, singer songwriter kind of stuff, you know, that I'm just, it's Christian prop most likely, but it's just me writing fully free <clears throat> and knowing that my, my dozens of fans will be fine with it, you know, cause I'm poking and prodding and doing all those things. And third category would, would be writing with the target of CCM. And so I go out to Nashville and, and write with artists or for artists for that stuff. Hmm. So that's kind of where my writing is now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what, what would be, and I, and I know that there's no way to boil it down to a tip uh, that you would give to to songwriters that are that are writing for. Let, but let's let's narrow it down to worship music because that'll be uh, kind of the, the the focus of our podcast. But what yeah. would be what would be a tip that you would give to to our audience, songwriters in our audience, about writing worship songs? Whew. Um I mean, probably if I was to categorize them in terms of what's worked best for me, I would say the proof is in, is in, is in the pudding for me. And 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 I um I I did a record about the record that had Hallelujah for the Cross on it. I did that about a year and a half ago, and it was twelve songs, and every single song was was a was a co-write, hmm. and that was really new for me. Mm -hmm. I had not done that, you know, like I had co-written, but I'd never had a record that was predominantly co-writes, co and mm -hmm. I mean much less a record that was all co-writes. <laughs> And, you know, of course, that was a shot to my pride and all, and all that. But looking at that, when I listed the 25 or 30 songs that I chose, you know, that, 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 I, that I looked at to choose my 12 for the record and finding that the 12 I chose were all co-writes, I think I'd be, I'd be uh, wrong to not tell you co-writing is a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and it's not just as simple as two people make a better song. You know, it's that it... it it's it, it's a long tail thing, you know, is that over time you learn what your strengths and weaknesses are. You learn, uh, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to ramble, but I'll, I'll just say this. I, for years, wrote songs that I led, and the compliments I got were consistently about the lyrics. They were not about the music. <laughs> was, the mu was the music terrible? No. But, and I think I was probably doing pretty good stuff uh, lyrically. Mm -hmm. So it was rising up through that channel but if i was honest you could have picked out my songs from any set list immediately because the lyrics were of of a certain high quality which is great and the melody was of a certain mediocre quality right <laughs> and if i write a song all, all by myself to, to today and it's a worship song it's likely going to be something you're going to think has pretty good lyrics and just an okay melody hmm. i mean i hope i can beat that but that's that's kind of the <laughs> truth so yeah. co-writing is huge you know, and it's good for us too, as people. You know, right. 
to to learn to defer and be the body of Christ and that sort of thing. And as artists who who typically want to kind of hide back and be in the closet by themselves and just come out with a finished product. Um, mm-hmm. Ross, I was going to ask you, speaking about the words, you talked about how you, you've had this ability to, to write uh, high-quality words. And um, I, I want to, uh, that Hallelujah for the Cross song, which has become really important to me. Uh, first of all, thank you for writing that song. Um, and, and I want to real quick say a guy named Todd Wright uh, is a co-writer of, of that song. And, and just want to give props there because he's a fantastic songwriter that did a great job helping me. So Cool. And thank you, Todd, wherever you are. I hope you're listening. Um, but I want to talk about, uh, if you could just share some of the, uh, maybe the inspiration or some of um, what led to uh, this song. In particular, um, I, I got to say, there's a couple lines in the song that, um, that, that just, uh, I, I don't want to be dramatic and say rock my world, but I mean, they are pretty amazing. Um, thank you. So, uh, first of all, the, the chorus, uh, you know, hallelujah for the war he fought, love is won, death is lost, hallelujah for the souls he bought, hallelujah for the cross. And then um, one line in particular that, um, that, that I, I love, uh, it says um, in the first verse, uh, and on that day the world was changed, a final perfect lamb was slain. Let earth and heaven now proclaim hallelujah for the cross. Uh, great, great words. Share with us maybe some of, you know, h- how did you get there? Yeah. You know, for people listening, uh, for David and myself, you know, who who like writing music, uh, yeah, wh- where where does this come from? You know, yeah. Well, what's great about this particular question is I, there are songs that you could ask me about how they're written, and I would have some boring story about two songwriters sitting in a writer's room in Nashville and you know, and opening their Bibles. And, you know, I mean, it would be really boring. This song has a really great story, so I'll, I'll try to make it brief. But <clears throat> but basically, there's some drama at the front part of the story, which is that in May of, 2000, <clears throat> May of 2012, uh, my dad uh, drowned in, in, in an accident. Oh, hmm. And and uh, I, I was, you know, as a writer, I'd spent... Well, as a worship leader, and even just as a Christian for many, many years, I had talked about and sang about and and written about Jesus' victory over death, and you know, believed it in that way that untested things are 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 uh, believed. And suddenly, I was like, "Well, Jesus beat death, but my dad's not here anymore." Mm-hmm. And so, what does that mean? You know, it's like how much am I? You know, it just felt like a strange moment of this visualizing someone being in heaven and my dad was was a believer and so you know but it just was a weird moment of well, okay I still believe this but man it's weird so I just made it my my goal just to kind of for my own sanity to write and sing about Jesus victory over death as much as I could mm-hmm. and it may be in some backwards kind of a osmosis way I would believe it more I know that mm-hmm. always sounds strange but uh, but anyway, that's what I started doing. And, and so this, uh, uh, Todd Wright is a friend of mine, and he lives in East Texas. And we, we, we periodically write uh, over Skype and, and, and face-to-face and all that. So uh, I had let him know that, and we, so we wrote some. And, and anyway, he came to me at one point with an old hymn that had the words, How Leave for the Cross, uh, somewhere in it. And he had he'd rewritten some music to it. And I just really honestly told him, listen, I think you know this isn't a great thing yet and I mean, we're really honest in that way you know mm-hmm. and I said but I really love this Hallelujah for the cross line let's sort of let's sort of mine let's sort of start there you know it's just and I, and, and I that's one of my kind of general rules of songwriting is when you feel like you're not getting there uh, serve the best thing you've got 
you know, like, okay, this, we don't love, we started with this chorus and now the verse is better than the chorus. Okay, we'll serve that <laughs> verse, right? That, that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. So, so we started to, to write around that and I love old hymns. And so I've kind of seen this, this model of hymns where, you know, uh, at, uh, at Calvary is a, is a great example. Mm -hmm. It's like line, 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 next line rhymes with that. Let's talk about that, and then add Calvary, right? right so you yeah. kind of land with this one phrase, and I and I like that structure. And so I said, okay, let's let's do this thing where we sort of do three lines that rhyme, and then we'll then we'll say hell leave for the cross. That'll kind of be our deal. So we wrote these verses, and and on that lyric in particular, that was the first day that we wrote um, over Skype. I don't remember which one of us had the first deal, but but that whole verse was kind of us bouncing back and forth. Mm -hmm. And I've just always loved this idea that um, the sacrifice needed for our sins was the was was paid you know finally at the cross right that mm -hmm. the, people had been killing animals to pay god back for hundreds and hundreds of years and here was finally you know one death that that covered it and so i i, I love that and and i like to insert sort of conversational language uh, in the middle of really smart theological language so saying on that day the world was changed you know fits nicely with the final perfect lamb was slain. You know, that kind of feels like a nice juxtaposition of, of plain speak and, and, and smart talk, you know? So, well, so anyway, the, the use yeah. of that word finally, I mean, yeah. even that, that one word was uh, mm -hmm. uh, just the, the testimony I want to share of a well-chosen word when it comes mm -hmm. to writing great lyrics is because, you know, finally, you know, like you said, it, it refers to the thousands of years of sacrifice that people have been doing and, and waiting and waiting, waiting. And finally, but then it also talks about how, how the cross has paid it in the end. It's, it's, like it's final. It's, there's nothing right. more that's going right. to happen after the cross. It's final. And so like, so to take that, you know, just that one word, a well-placed word adds such depth right. to the lyric. You know, a, a while back, we, uh, uh, if you, if you've been listening to our podcast for a long time, David and I went through the book, uh, God songs by Paul Balash. And, mm -hmm. uh, in that book, um, you know, which is about songwriting, Paul talks about, you know that importance of of finding the right words and and you know I, I think this uh, song Hallelujah for the Cross just another great example of uh, the power of words and and uh, yeah there is just something really uh, rich and deep in that even just that one little phrase finally yeah. um, so Thank yeah gr great stuff great stuff yeah well let me give you one one more like two minute uh, a bookend on the whole story is yeah. that yeah. so we left that first session with I think all the lyrics. For that first whole verse, and that was it. And we were like, okay, let's let's go back and 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 kind of work on our own. And so we and so Todd, I think the next day or two days later, sent me, I don't know, like four more verses, mm. and they were great. And I think I thought I think I liked eighty percent of it and tweaked, you know, a, a little bit. And I was like, whoa, man, Todd just wrote the whole song, <laughs> and it was really great. I loved it, and and it was just moved me, and, and he even had some of that stuff about. Uh, the, the ending, uh, this hope will guide me into death, which was just so powerful for me hearing that from my, the story of my dad. So we, we got back together, together on Skype in a few days, and I said, man, I love what you wrote with the verse. Let's, let's, let's get a chorus. And we wrote, I don't know, at least one, maybe two choruses, and they just weren't, we weren't, we weren't, we weren't going to lead it, you know? And here it was, these really good verses, and the chorus was not moving me. Uh, and so I just was so discouraged, like, man, we got something so special with these verses, and the chorus isn't there. And uh, I just encourage everyone to fight for that, you know, fight for that. But so we just, 
we kind of went back and forth on is it done, is it not done. And finally, what I what I do occasionally, and this is what I encourage writers to do a lot, is when you get to that place where you're stuck, I, I just went to the piano or the guitar or whatever, you know, and, and I just started playing those verses over and over and over. And when I would get to the end and be ready to sing this other course we'd written, I'd toss it and just say, what's coming out of me now? What, you know, what's the natural thing? Don't overthink this, Ross. What's the natural thing? And at some point, and I had even told Todd, I don't want to say hallelujah in the chorus. Because, you know, it's a knee-jerk kind of word. You're talking about fighting for the, for the best word, right? Mm -hmm. I just, ah, hallelujah, that's not going to work. And it just, <laughs> I was wrong. And I just all of a sudden started singing pretty much what you heard now for the chorus. Mm. At some point was just... I just broke into, you know, love is one, death is lost. And, mm. and, um, and that was only after the song was probably six months old in, in, a, in one or two other forms, mm. you know, uh, which would be another good tip for co-writers is if you ain't loving it yet, you know, <laughs> Wait. Keep, keep at it. Greenhouse, yeah, right? So. Paul Belasha, you know, put it in the greenhouse. Yep. Yep. But well, yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk more and more about, about that song, but um, I'd also like to That's talk fun, about yeah. the, uh, about co-writing. Um, yeah, it's intriguing to me because I've never done it. Have you ever co-written a song? Um, I'm thinking. I think no. Yeah, yeah. So how do you go about co-writing a song? I mean, that that's a yeah. foreign process to me. Yeah, and let me say that um, it isn't like you know evil to not do it. <laughs> um, you know, it's I, there are a lot of guys who just don't do it. A lot of writers who just don't do it. And and um and I and I think you should always be able to retain the ability to write a song by yourself. Right. This is uh, this is the irony of it is I have a lot of Nashville friends who don't write by themselves, you know, period mm -hmm. anymore. And they, that's all they did. And they're like, oh, I don't write by myself ever. You know, so I want to, I don't want to push too hard and say n never write by yourself. But co-writing, I just think it's, um, <sighs> it's as much about relationship as it is about, you know, skill, mm. um, you know, being able to, my, I have three co-writes in my memory that I, I won't tell you any of the people's names, but that are just awful. Huh. Only three in, in, in hundreds, you know, now. Hmm. And those three are, are in my mind as, as awful because relationally they were just so bad. It, it wasn't, there are plenty of bad songs in, in my co-writing me memory, but I don't remember those times as bad. I just <laughs> remember those as not successful. Bad is when you don't get along or when you're just being a jerk or something, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's really about, Finding finding out when to be precious about something and to hold it tightly, and when to not be. Hmm. That's that's probably the primary thing. Is you is you go in with it with with an idea, and you say, okay, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna uh, uh, open this up, you know, to the scrutiny and and tweaking of of another person, I'm at to trust them and trust that the Lord's gonna help them find me the find the best song. So when and, you're when you're co-writing, yeah. does one person kind of bring the idea and then you work on it, or do you wait and come up with an idea together? How does that work? I mean, I don't like going in cold with nothing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but again, relationally, that that works better. Relate like like for the two of you, you know. It, let's say you started started writing together. Um, I would tell you at at first you should each bring ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and and then just kind of be honest about which ones grab each of you, mm -hmm. um, and don't present ideas that you're not willing to get some help on. You know, mm -hmm. don't good. bring a, don't bring a, don't bring an idea you had yesterday that you're pretty sure if you waited another week you you would finish right. Mm -hmm. um, bring an idea that you're like I just I'm stuck here. Um, but but um, sorry, did I answer the question? I don't remember what. Oh, 
Occasionally, you can go in cold. If you guys right. begin to write together, and six months into it, you could you you could just get. To, hey, we have a Thursday co-write. Me, two of us meet every Thursday. We write. Some weeks you're going to get in a room and have nothing. You're going to say, "Hey, let's open the Bible. Uh, let's 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 let, let's go to to the, the Barnes and Noble and grab a coffee and walk around the bookshelves. And when we see a title on a on a magazine article or on a book we like, we're going to write a song. <laughs> you know that you know yeah. that can happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because I think it's exercise too. I, I actually write now. I write songs occasionally that have no use. Mm-hmm. Just I write because I want to make sure that muscle gets exercised. Right. Um, and that might be a way to, to approach it too. You can say, let's write a song that we, that we, that we don't care about. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just do it to exercise and see how we see, see both of our processes, you know? Right. But I, but like say for example, when I, I go to Nashville, uh, I go about six times a year. I go with a pile of ideas that I know are sort of, I'm aiming at the Nashville target. So mm-hmm. I'll collect CCM, and sometimes country or worship ideas that I think are really going to be right for that, hmm. you know. Uh, and now that now that I write so much co-writing, I kind of know. Okay, when I write with so and so, I'm going to bring melody. When I write this guy, I'm going to bring words. This guy, we're going to do hymns. This guy, we're going to do pop. This guy, we're going to do, you, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. Does so that you, help? Does yes, that, that is helpful. Thank you. Um, we're. Uh, Working on, I don't know if you know this yet, but there's the separate, in our local uh, worship leaders group, there's a separate songwriters group. Right. That uh, kind of was birthed out of that, and we're doing a songwriting day here um, in oh, January. I didn't know it was here. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, know, I know Tyler and Jason and those guys. Yeah. Oh, cool. And so um, so trying to get some information on how to how to run that day, make it a make it a good experience for everyone. So that's really helpful. That's great. For what we're doing. But um, but you also, yeah. you've you've just released a, a Christmas EP. Um, and. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about that a little bit. We both both had a chance to listen to yeah. listen to the tracks on it. Well, thank but. you. Well, let, let me just say that I know this is a worship primarily podcast, and I don't need you to, to spend a ton of time on this just to make me feel good or to, or to, or people buy my records. <laughs> it's a, it's more of a singer songwriter kind of kind of any any piece. So I, I and and that's you know because I really I approached the Christmas songwriting thing uh, as trying to find new ways to say these old truths, you right. know? And so those for me are easier to do in kind of singer songwriter things. But briefly, I'll just tell you that, um, I, uh, did that, that EP, um, I, uh, four years ago or yeah, four years ago, 2010, I released a whole Christmas album and it was a cool songwriting thing because basically I'd been in Nashville and listening, talking to another songwriter and he was, I'd occasionally in my, you know, social media and stuff, I'd heard fans say, you should do a Christmas album. And I would mm-hmm. think, Christmas albums are great singers, do the standards, mm-hmm. and they crush them because they're so good vocally. <laughs> you know, right. and, 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 and everyone's like, no one's ever sang Silent Night that, that good, right? Well, I don't have that kind of voice. So I was like, I'm not doing a Christmas album. That's a terrible thought. And yeah, just, I've been in, I've been in, Just a quick ahead. note on that. I, I did a Christmas album a couple of years ago. And I did my version of Oh Holy Night because that's I've made a promise to my wife that I'd sing that at uh, Christmas time every year. Yeah. And so you know I did my version of it. And so you know of course the the primary people who bought my Christmas album are family members. And the comment I get from my brother is uh, about about Oh Holy Night is like, yeah, you know, you know, it's just it's still not as not as good as uh, Stan Whitmire's version of it on his piano <laughs> album, but that's pretty good. <laughs> like, yeah, no, and that's. <laughs> That's what I was Thanks, utterly brother. afraid of. <laughs> yeah. uh, suffering by comparison is, yeah. is no fun, you know? So so I just had back then, I'd been in Nashville with another writer, and I'd said something about, there's nothing new to say about Christmas. And he's like, oh, you're so wrong. Come on, man, you can yeah. do it. 
And he played me a couple of songs I never heard about Christmas that were just fantastic. And so I took it upon myself to say, okay, I'm going to write kind of on assignment. And so I did that and made a record of 10 songs. Uh, I think seven were, six or seven were totally brand new. The others were classics with, a, with a, something new I'd written on them. Mm-hmm. I kind of said, I'm going to write something on them, you know. So I love that. And I love the whole Christmas music has no genre, you know, stylistically mm-hmm. you can do any. So I did some kind of jazzy stuff. I did mm-hmm. some quirky folky, pop rock, whatever, that was a blast. So that was such a good experience that this year, as I was, I was writing with, with another guy for his Christmas stuff, I had some ideas that he loved, but we didn't, didn't really fit his record. And he said, you should chase those. And, and I've also been wanting to write about this whole problem of my family's been through all this weird stuff with my dad and, and some other stuff and how holidays make it really weird to deal with family grief. And so mm-hmm. I had this song, this idea for being with family and how there's a song on the record called uh god with god us, with us. yes yeah, that it's that it's, first track on uh yeah. on piano which was that you playing the piano or mm-hmm. someone else? oh yeah, yeah it's me uh great stuff i, I listened to that and and yeah i, I appreciate it. just that kind of honesty that kind of the real aspect of hey you know this is what's hard and this is my family and you know but mm-hmm. god's with us yeah and and so that really was kind of the okay i've written this song that i feel like is a it's a good it's a new twist on something i had these three or four other uh, things I've been kind of, you know, sitting on for a while, and and I and I wanted and I'd love to uh, uh, go, go tell on a mountain, so I, so I did that. But but yeah, so that that's the record, and I, I'm not trying to undersell it. I just I just it's really you know it's a very singer songwriting thing. I'm really proud of it. I love it. I'm I'm happy with it. Um, and I just love the whole challenge of as a writer. Hey, here's an here's a topic. Can mm-hmm. can you continue to 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 find new ways to 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 spin this and to and to retell it, and and I just I that thrills me. That's my one of my favorite parts about songwriting. Well, especially a topic like Christmas, where there've literally been thousands and thousands <laughs> of songs over yeah. thousands of years that have been yeah. written. That's a that's yeah. a big challenge. But you know, and and I I you know I had I had the same feeling about being singer songwriter. But you know, at Christmas time, and we've talked about Christmas time a lot on the podcast. But at Christmas time, you have so many opportunities in the church to share music. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've, we've kind of, you know, ebbed and flowed over the last 15, 20 years in the worship ministry of, of, you know, most churches don't do special music anymore, or, you know, now some are starting right. to bring it back in. And, and so we saw, you know, we saw the death of the, of the local kind of traveling musician in the last 15 years, because <laughs> churches just stopped having those groups in from the outside to do those performance kind of songs. But at right. Christmas time, I think we have this great opportunity to, mm-hmm. to share the story of Christmas and we're going to have a lot of people in the church that aren't going to be familiar with our Christmas worship songs anyway. So why right. not take it to the next level to to capitalize on them being there and just tell them, you know what? Don't sing on this song. Don't don't try yeah. to sing. Don't feel like you're embarrassed because you don't know the song. You know, just sit down and listen to the song and yeah. and listen to the message of it. And so I think there's plenty of opportunity yeah. to incorporate that uh, in our worship services. Yeah, I I really appreciate you guys let me talk about it. I mean, I I, I uh, like like I said, I'm I'm really I try not try not to put out any music that I'm not really proud of, um, <laughs> and and I and I um I I'm very proud of the record and I'm happy with it and and thanks for any kind of you know PR that this this gives it. Appreciate that. Yeah. So where where can we get the album? Where is it available? Uh, you can get it on on iTunes. The mm-hmm. album is called Come and See, and it's under my name Ross King. Or you can get it on Amazon, or you can get it at my website. Um, rosskingmusic.com 
It, right now it's a download uh, only because it's only four songs and just for an indie guy like like me, the profit margin on a four song mm-hmm. CD is not so great. Yeah. Um, so but, I'm, uh, I'm guessing yeah. the best way, the most profitable way for you would be to go to your website and download it. You there. know, it, it it really I don't really mind. I mean, because mm-hmm. honestly, the way that the Christian charts work, if I sell enough stuff on on iTunes, it's on the charts and people see it and it sells well uh-huh. there. So I don't know that I have a preference. I mean, okay. um, yeah, but yeah, thank you. I, any traffic anywhere is great. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, uh, so, you know, I just encourage our listeners to go out and buy it. And, and just like, you know, just like the last episode with Rich, um, how much is the album? Uh, it's 396. 396. 396. Yep. Yeah. Yes. I mean, really? Yeah. 396 is not that much to spend, right? Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you can yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. And so. And, and in fact, I'm running a deal on my, on my site now where if you buy my, my Christmas C- CD, uh, uh, it's actually on sale this like Cyber Monday week for six dollars, and I'll send you the EP for free. Wow. So for six dollars, oh. you get fourteen songs if you if you do that this week. <laughs> Come which I on. guess this this I don't know when when this will air, so that may be over by that time. But I'll yeah. extend it. I'll extend it for a couple weeks just oh. just, just to make sure. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Look at that. Ross. Really, I mean, yeah, go 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 support. I mean, and it's great to support the indie artist. I mean. We've talked about that a lot on the podcast. We don't we don't mean any harm against any of the big the big name guys that have the contracts and stuff like that. But sure. but support the local guys who are doing the art. Um, and and it's great to be a part of a story like like Ross's story where, um, you know maybe you maybe you helped buy the album that kept him writing songs so that eventually he writes the song that gets on the Newsboys album, you know, uh, you get to be a part of the journey in that way. So that's cool. Um, so, so do that. And and you, and you guys know this as, as, uh, you know, musicians who are just trying to get, trying to make it here and there with multiple music related jobs. Every little bit counts. Every little bit helps. So thank you for that. So where can, where can people find you online? Where can people stay in touch with, with what you've got going on? Yeah, well, I, uh, Ross King Music is pretty much everything that you're looking for. So that'll be who I am on Twitter. It'll be the .com of the website. It'll be Instagram, all that. So just look up Ross King Music, and you can get that. Um, uh, yeah, you can get 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 me there. And and um, I still do some touring, and you know, right now it's you know it depends on what day you catch me. But I'll either be writing for somebody or uh, leading worship or trying to tour my own stuff. Mm-hmm. So do you have a final word of encouragement for our, our listeners, songwriters who might be out there? Yeah, uh, I would say I'm 42, and I just got this year, uh, a, a, after 20 years as a professional, and after more than years in that as a writer, I just got what would, anyone would consider a significant cut um, you know, after all that time, and I just kept at it, you know, and, and, and I would say if you want to be in a creative field and for me, that's just music, mm-hmm. be good at lots of things, you know, don't, uh, there are a few times when somebody who's just a great drummer makes a living at it, but that's, I tell people there are three ways to make it in the, in, in the music business. One is you're in the 1% of the 1% of whatever your specialty is, right? So you are, you know, you're the world's best bass player or you're this fantastic vo- vocalist uh, the, the second is that you become you become a part of something bigger than you. You're you're in you're in Mercy Me. You're in U2. Mm-hmm. You're in Rune Five. Whatever you know. And those guys are all good at what they do. Right. But they're just a part of something big. Right. Know? And the, and the third way is to be good at lots of stuff. 
you know? And then you can't, can't really control those first two ways, but the third way you can control so right. that when you're not getting any work as a worship leader, you are getting work as a side guy who plays second, second acoustic or drums or bass. And when you're not getting that work, you're uh, getting some work uh, uh, writing jingles. Hmm. When you're not getting that, that work, you're, you know, doing your own stuff, whatever. You know, I, I try to be good at several things so that any given day I can keep this job. Diversify. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for, for this episode of the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. So thanks for listening. We can uh, be found on online, www.worshipministrycatalyst.com, facebook.com slash worshipministrycatalyst, or twitter.com slash wmcatalyst. You can send an email to david at worshipministrycatalyst.com. Or kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com. And you can leave a voicemail at country code 1, area code 360-818-4339. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.